Hello and welcome to another edition of Bring on the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. And wow, what a crazy weekend of sports. I'm coming down off the high of the Chiefs win right now. And JT, I know you enjoyed that 49ers win yesterday. Yeah, it was, How you doing? it was pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah. And of course, some big Kansas State basketball games that we can talk about here in a second. But we're going to look ahead also later in this podcast to Kansas State's game against Ole Miss and the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So we brought on to join us from Red Cup Billion, Justin Lewis. Justin, how are you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm glad that you guys have asked me to come on and talk about our terrible basketball team. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we would have said the same thing about K-State two weeks ago and now, you know, things are a little more positive. But uh, JT, let's maybe just talk about that game first. I mean, Kansas State probably should have beat Kansas. I think Bill Self said Kansas State should have beat Kansas. And then the second half, things kind of fell apart and wasted a, a monumental performance from Nigel Pack. But, you know, what was it like to be in Bramlage on Saturday? Well, it was it was crazy right up. I mean, right up through the end. It's the second game in as many weeks here that the Cats have blown a double-digit second-half victory. Clearly, you can hear I'm, I'm kind of froggy still from the game, yelling and getting upset at, at things. But uh, it was a great crowd, great energy in the building. The Cats fed off it early. And just KU's – obviously, they're a great team. And Bill Self is a great coach. And they never gave up. You know, they got down and they, you know, you knew it was going to be close no matter what happened. So, you know, credit to them for coming back. But, and our guys, Bruce Weber, they've got to figure something out. They can't keep giving up huge leads like that at the end of games, especially if Bruce wants to keep his job. Yeah. Well, it was kind of disappointing, though, because the last two games they'd finished so well against Texas Tech and Texas. And, you know, you thought maybe they'd turn the corner. And, you know, like you said, KU's a good team, and they had some extra motivation with the death of Bill Self Sr. this week. You know, condolences to the family. But Kansas State just uh, really let that one slip away, it felt like. Yeah, certainly, you know, a familiar scenario there. And and it doesn't get any easier going to Baylor uh, this week with the Tuesday game. So, Well, you know, we went into these four games here thinking, you know, 0-4 0-4 was probably what was going to happen, and we get the the two wins over Tech and and Texas, and feeling pretty good. And I, you know, and come out early against KU, but we're still ahead of where where we thought we'd be this time. You know, this time last week, or even you know a week yeah. and a half ago. So still in a pretty good spot. But well, yeah, like the game in Baylor is going to be real tough, and just hope they can survive and keep their heads up to make it through to get to Ole Miss here a week from now. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the big things is, you know, last thing on this game is, like Bruce said after the game, like the bigs just have to be better. Like Kansas State's relying so much on the guards and the bigs aren't doing a lot. And, um, you know, we'll talk about this later. Mississippi, it seems like, has some some bigs that are starting to play well for them. But, you know, Kansas State's got to find a way to get some more production or at least not have those guys be a liability inside. Yeah. Bradford. Played okay at times until he fouled out. Casey Zaga was essentially a non-factor. I, I still like Carlton Lingard. I, I think he's progressing and getting there, but he's not ready to be a starter yet or to play starters minutes at the five. But he could get there, but we'll see. It's Yeah, we, we're going to have one of them step up. Yeah. And then on the other side, we got to talk about today, uh, Sunday, 
Kansas State's probably the most dominant big in America on the women's side. Aoka Lee went for 61 points, and I don't think anyone has ever made 61 points look so easy. Yeah, it was absurd. I mean, one of the most ridiculously athletic things I've ever witnessed, and it it looked almost pedestrian. I mean, she was just so clinical. So Workman, you know, just getting everything right at the bucket, putting everything in, you know, it didn't matter. They were throwing double and triple teams at her. She was just scoring right over them. Like Eric, you know, Eric Rubottom, our contributor, he, he's mentioned in the group chat that, you know, it was just, it was like practice yeah. for her. It wasn't, I mean, uh, you know, you'd see that kind of performance at a practice, not in the game. And, and it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it was insane. Yeah. And, you know, she did it against the number four team and the team team in the country. It's not like she was facing some nobodies. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> just seemed year, to break their spirit, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> earlier this year, she scored more points than Central Arkansas in a win, but that's Central Arkansas, <laughs> not number 14, Oklahoma, who she almost outscored by herself. I mean, I think it was and, even at 61, right? And that's probably when they took her out. Yeah, it's when she came out. She scored 61. It was... Mm-hmm. I know you had 61. They ended up with 65, but right. you know, it wasn't, <laughs> it was just insane. And if you'd have left her in, she might've scored 70. So yeah. just the way it was going at that point, but you know, yeah. Mitty was, was nice enough to pull her once she got the record and yeah. let OU have at least some semblance of, uh, of respect there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to give some credit to her teammates as well. I think it was uh, you retweeted, a set where like all but two of her buckets were on assists and probably the other two were offensive rebounds. You know, she's obviously doing a, a lot of work to get herself in position and then making the shots, but her teammates are feeding her the ball and they did a great job of that today. Yeah. Serena Sindel has been great at getting her the ball and they work that outside in game so well, they'll pass around and around the perimeter until Lee can work her magic to get open enough to get the ball and, and score. And so, yeah, it's a team effort. Like those 61 points weren't just her, but, you know, it, it feels like it. And, you know, it's great. But yeah, it was, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Jalen Glenn, I think, had a 11 rebounds by herself. You know, Yoki only had a dozen. I think she had like seven assists too. And Serena Sandel had like eight. I mean, they were just, they were feeding her and she was scoring. And that's what you want. So great team win even with the, with the record-setting performance. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And quick look at the stats here. Yeah, like you said, 12 rebounds for Oakley. Of course, she had three blocks, too, on the defensive end, which had her average. Eight assists for Serena Sandel, seven for Jalen Glenn. You know, Lee was 23 at 30 from the field and 15 to 17 from the free-throw line, which is something I, I think you can't overlook. Like, how many bigs can shoot 15 to 17 from the free-throw line? That's... Pretty incredible. So, I mean, you watch this Kansas State team do that and just kind of obliterate, you know, a pretty good Oklahoma team. I mean, if Lee is, is on her game like that, is there anybody this team, this Kansas State team can't beat? Somebody else with a dominant five. Yeah. South Carolina's got a, a girl that's it's about as good. You know, what Iowa State did, what Texas Tech did was they just threw bodies at her. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they, they had three or four girls that were close enough and they just, they just rode her and wore down all game. Oh, you just does not have a five like that. That, I mean, they, they play a, what they call positionless ball and where it's, it's really more of, you know, forwards and guards and they don't really have a big, 
big to throw at her. KU even, I mean, they had a girl, they had one that was close. They managed to, you know, she managed to do pretty well by herself until she fouled out here at the end of the game. So, I mean, really, it's got to be defense by committee on her. If you've got the bodies, you can, you know, neutralize her to, to some extent or at least wear her down. But if you're small at all, then she's just going to destroy you. Right. And then, you know, the other result today was Baylor beat the crap out of Iowa State. So Kansas State moved into a three-way tie for first place. Coming up at Texas. So that, that team's going to be fun to follow going forward for sure. Yeah, this will probably – I would assume this will get him back in the rankings. You know, a big win like that over OU, plus mm-hmm. the record-breaking performance, that's going to put her put K-State on – should put K-State squarely in the voters' consciousness, yeah. finally. <laughs> get them get them a decent ranking. I, You know, they got ranked mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago and then lost two games and fell back out. But, I mean, their, their record and their strength schedule and stuff, it, they should really be up around Baylor and Texas in the rankings regardless of that two-game losing streak. And the fact that they aren't is just absurd. So, yeah, uh, you know, they, they're a top-20 team. They're just not getting the ranking for it. Yeah. Like, yeah, this hopefully. really shouldn't have been an upset. Like, <laughs> right. K-State is better than Oklahoma. This shouldn't have been an upset. But it looks like it because the Cats can't get any respect. Right. And kudos to the students today as well because it looked like a pretty full student section. So Yeah, that was students, the students want to see – Winners, you know, they want to see some winning basketball there. What better way than show up for this women's team? They're great. Yeah, that's right. Because unfortunately, still not seeing a ton of wins with the men. They're they're down at the bottom of the conference, tied with Oklahoma and Iowa State. But I think Kansas State right now is the only NCAA eligible team that is not really on the bubble. And, you know, before that KU game, I think I saw them in, in Lunardi's next four out or – or like second four out or something. Anyway, they're, they're, you know they're right. Getting, and I don't you know, think they'll move. Conversation, so. I don't think they'll move a whole lot with this loss. I mean, KU's top ten, so it's yeah. not like they're just going to tumble. It's not like losing at home to TCU. You know that that took a pretty good tumble, but you know losing at home to, to KU, you're going to get some pretty good benefit on that. <laughs> Same thing with Baylor. Like these two games shouldn't make them tumble too far. Yeah, that's um, probably true. And but then, we'll get yeah, to it. Taylor, and then yeah, and then Mississippi on Saturday is going to be one of those games probably they can't afford to lose. Honestly, you right? Know, even though it is on the road, we got a Mississippi team that is, that is struggling. We're going to let Justin tell us about that here in a second. First, I want to say just my annual complaint about the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. I love the concept of it. I love that it happens, but I hate that it's in the middle of conference play. Yeah, just, this should I be wish, like a, it should happen like a- in December. Christmas yeah. special or something like everybody plays like the day after Christmas or something or right in there. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Do the old Miss coaching staff ever have anything to say about that? Does Kermit Davis have any thoughts on the SEC Big 12 challenge? I, I don't know if Kermit has any thoughts on it, but I, yeah. I, I kind of stand with y'all. I don't, I don't see the point of it being thrown in the middle of a conference schedule like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Ole Miss came into the season. They were, you know, ninth in the SEC preseason bowls. Not like huge expectations, but you know, probably it was a little disappointing in non-conference that they had losses to Boise and Western Kentucky and Samford. Um, their one big win over Memphis has doesn't look so much like a big win anymore with the way Memphis has been playing. Um, and now they've started one and five in conference play. 
you know, how, how are Ole Miss fans feeling? You know, how does this compare to you know, expectations that they've been doing? I'm going to curveball you real quick because you asked about is there a team that can handle Ioka Lee. And the Ole Miss women's oh. team has Shakira okay. Austin, who's a 6'5 okay. center who is dominating <laughs> SEC play right now. And we're in the same boat as y'all are where we upset number 23 Kentucky on the road today. But we shouldn't be mm-hmm. – that shouldn't be an upset. We're 16-2. and two. They're 9-6, and six, oh, now 9-7. Wow. and seven. We've only lost to Tennessee and then the first game of our season. So this women's team is off to their best start since 2007, the last time they made a tournament. They'll be ranked this week, and they're legit. Uh, oh, they so, got to play at okay. South Carolina this week. Yeah, so we'll, that should we'll be a good know game. how legit. Yeah, we'll know how legit <laughs> after that game. But compared yeah. to what they have been and the roster pieces that they have, they're going to advance at least one round in the tournament, if not two. But I'd put Shakira up against your girl, at least for a tough matchup. She may get dominated by her, mm-hmm. but Shakira is going to the WNBA next year. Okay, so that's the Big 12 ACC ch- challenge matchup we really need to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to see. All right, so let's just talk about the boys, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So when when you don't recruit a point guard, I don't know how you expect to win in college basketball, and that's what Memphis and Penny Hardaway are looking at right now. And that's what uh, Ole Miss is looking at, too. Jarkel Joyner, uh, while he's a, a great scoring guard, he's not a primary ball handler. You know, the expectations were low as far as the outsiders, but I think within the program and Ole Miss fans, you looked up and down that roster. You had the uh, breakfield transfer from Duke. You've got Matthew Morrell in her sophomore year, who was the highest rated recruit in school history. And then you've got uh, Deshaun Ruffin, who is the only McDonald's All-American in school history all on this roster at the same time with the addition of Nasir Brooks, like a 17th year player in the NCAA who just <laughs> been here forever. He's a, a tower, just long, plays like 38 minutes a game. Duke yeah. gets no rest because Kermit didn't recruit a backup. Yeah, uh, and the Big 12, we call that a Perry Ellis. Yeah, yeah, Perry <laughs> Ellis. Is, he's still there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's Ole Miss is going to play defense. And it's going to be really hard to score uh, Ole Miss uh, at times. They run a 1-3-1 that morphs into a 2-3 when he gets uh, below the free throw line, something similar to what Andy Kennedy ran during his time there. The problem with Ole Miss is Kermit Davis seems to be forcing the system of offense that he loves on a roster that can't do it. He doesn't have the pieces to run what he wants to run, and it just their offense gets so bogged down and can't do anything. And then you got guys like Austin Crowley and Luis Rodriguez who really don't offer you as much as you'd like. And then you're relying on – now, Matthew Morrell can go scorched earth and put 40 on you. His shot is smooth. He's going to be a probably a second-round pick one day in the NBA. And Deshaun Ruffin is going to play like a freshman at times, but he's also going to show you why he was an All-American. But outside of those two guys, if, if any team just takes those two away, it's going to be a long night for the Ribs. Okay, yeah, so it seems like – I mean, the offense has been an issue all season, but – I mean, I got to ask you, talking about defense, they've let teams shoot 50% last four games. I mean, you let a Missouri team that is not exactly dynamic offensively shoot 62%. So have there been some, some issues there lately? Yeah, so are you familiar with, like, the concept of, uh, like, your mind blocking out bad things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know, that Auburn game, there was some some promising stuff that you saw. You know, you had a chance to win it on the road at Auburn, but they've got Jabari Smith, who's 
should be the number one pick in the NBA draft. The kid's a freak. You could argue that you should have beat Tennessee as well, but then, you know, we get these last four games that you're mentioning, and I think teams have just figured out the defense. They've seen it. They know, you know, where they can get the shots and where they can come from, and I think he's just got guys on the floor that shouldn't be on the floor. Like, Austin Crowley shouldn't play a lot of minutes. Breakfield is not a defensive specialist. You know, Brooks, if you if you go five out, he's not going to do anything for you out there. Ruffin's so tiny. Morrell's not a defensive player. So, like, while you run a good zone, you can catch Ole Miss and in, in transition and catch Ole Miss in a man-to-man and get get whatever you get out of it. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest, though, JT, I hear the word zone, and I cringe a little bit. You know, some risk over teams have not necessarily done great in the past. Although, you know, they have had their moments. There's been some games against Baylor in the old zone they used to play. But um, And, you I- know, they get – Five days to prepare. Do you think this team is better suited, maybe, to, to face the zone with the better shooters? Yeah, it depends on on what they can get out of the middle. But uh, mm-hmm. there's something weird about about that the zone that Bill Self runs versus zone that most other teams run, like the one that the Baylor sure. used, uh, likes to run. I, I I'm not enough of a basketball junkie to know to be able to tell you the difference. But uh, I hear a lot of guys call it junk defense or junk zone, and and it, there's just something about that KU zone. And I, I don't think it, you know, like I know Bruce has struggled at times with his own, but I, it seems like it's mostly KU zone with whatever Bill Self is doing and not with just a traditional zone look. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Kermit's that uh, creative with his defense, <laughs> but I don't think many are. But I feel a bit more confident against a traditional zone than mm-hmm. if that's the case. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, having the fair for a zone that that Ole Miss plays all the time just should help. So right, and and you, yeah, the, the shooters having the shooters really helps. Uh, you know, Marquise Noel can go off if he needs to, or at least create some plays. I mean, we saw Nigel Pack go off for a career game, and he's got a great shooting stroke. So you know, if one of those guys can start making some shots and and pull some guys out of the paint, then maybe it opens some things up and and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. starts to break break down the zone a little better. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean speaking of shooters, you know, one thing for Ole Miss is that they've seemed to be shooting the recently, I think in conference they're about thirty seven percent. Of course that means their two point percentage is pretty terrible given that they're still only about forty two percent overall. But you know, are, are they starting to shoot better from the outside and, and is that helping them at all? Uh, I mean, I, I think what's happened is that hope. I'm, I'm hoping this is what happened is that Kermit Davis has realized that his offense is going to live and die with uh, Matthew Morrell and Ruffin, and it mm-hmm. seems that they're running more sets for Morrell to get some shots because he's the only one that can really create for himself. He's got the best stroke on the team as well. So it seems like he's made that adjustment to use him more. So I think that's helped some. And then there's just been some outliers, like Crowley's had some good performances randomly. Rodriguez can, you know, knock down three in a day. Breakfield can get hot in a game, but none of them are consistent. Morrell's like the only one that you trust to be consistent. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say that anything you've seen recently is a sign of things improving. I think this is really just not that great of a basketball team because mm-hmm. – I think more so the coach and the roster construction more so than the players that are on it. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, you mentioned Ruffin being McDonald's All-American and he was out for a little bit with a broken hand. You know, he came back, you know, are they a different team 
with him in or are they a much better team or kind of you know what's what was the impact of him going out and coming back in the lineup yeah they're they're a better team with him in for sure because he's a true point guard mm-hmm. but he can also put the ball in the bucket Jordan wasn't turning the ball over he was doing the job that you'd want out of a lead guard he just doesn't see the floor and get them into the sets the way that uh, a true point guard should and Ruffin. Like I said, he's a freshman, so he's going to make some freshman mistakes. But he brings this spark to the offense, and the guys kind of play better when he's on the floor. You just got to sometimes just live with the bad. Mm-hmm. And then and you heard us talking about Kansas State, the post players are kind of the weakness. And really, in particular, the, the kind of guys that K-State has struggled with are the big, strong post players who kind of just muscle people out of the way and, and live in the paint. You know, are Niger Brooks or, or Jamin Brakefield the type of guys that could take advantage of that? Uh, Brooks is. Brakefield's not. Brakefield wants to just mm-hmm. either shoot threes or take it off the drive. Um, okay. Now, Brooks, they'll put him back to the basket, and he's, you know, like 7-1, so he gets these hook shots, and he's had his moments. He's carried us scoring the ball as well. So if, if that is a weakness of y'all's, I, I would imagine or hope that Kermit uh, looks to exploit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. And we're going to take a quick commercial break. Here for our sponsors, and we're back. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what KSA does after Nigel Pack had, you know, the game of his life on Saturday, thirty-five points. But you know, JT, we talked about something Miguel had been struggling offensively. He um, obviously was better Saturday when he attacked the basket. When he settled for threes, it was a problem, and I, I don't know how. Kansas State ends up with Selton Miguel shooting a contested three at the end of the shot clock. It just feels like that should never happen. But I don't right. know. I mean, how would you defend him? Like if you were a defense, would you just sag off at this point? I would. And we saw that quite a bit from KU mm-hmm. on the stretch. I mean, there was that one shot where like, I mean, he got the ball and took a dribble <laughs> and sat there and then took a three and still missed it. Well, that's and, one of those where like, as soon as you take a dribble, like uh, you're thinking too much. You gotta miss yeah. It. Like it, I mean, they were, they had zero respect for his outside shot. And and right now I wouldn't either. I mean, he's seven for 30 on the season <laughs> and he hasn't made a, a three point basket this year. So in 2022, he has yet to make a, a three point basket on a dozen attempts. So it's, you know, you would hope that at some point he starts to heat back up, but I wouldn't put any money on it. Yeah. But, you know, at least he can play defense. Yeah, he plays great defense. And that's really his his saving grace is he plays great defense. And he's athletic enough to make baskets off the dribble or at least get to the basket and cause some havoc. Yeah. And they mentioned on the broadcast, too, like, not only can he play great defense, but he can guard almost any position. So he allows K-State to kind of switch up his lineups a little bit, and that helps, too. But, yeah, so he's kind of, you know, the exemplar of the Kansas State hard-nosed defense that Bruce Weber is going to bring that man-to-man. You know, Justin, what's going to happen when K-State puts that kind of pressure on the Ole Miss guards? If you want to see what happens, go watch the final, like, six minutes of the Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. and you'll have all your answers. We will put it directly in your hands and let you go down there and shoot all the layups you want. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, yeah, let's maybe zoom out for a second. You know, big picture, uh, certainly after the, the way that K-State lost to Kansas, the fire Bruce crowd comes back at, at full steam, which, you know, can't necessarily blame them. It was, it was pretty rough, and, you know, this team is still 2-5, and five, even if they are better than that record indicates. Justin Kermit's in his fourth year. I think he made an NCAA tournament his first year, but hasn't been back since. You know, how hot is his seat right now? Well, here's what's crazy, you know, is we think the seat should be hot, but he just signed a four-year extension at the beginning of this season, and we're all baffled by that decision. Now here, uh, the way it works in the state of Mississippi, a state employee cannot sign a contract longer than four years. Um, so essentially all they did was add a year on. They're just doing a one-year extension every year, but it, they release it as a four-year extension to the contract. They do the same thing with Lane Kiffin in football. It's just a little bit of a raise with another year tacked on. And and I don't – when I look at college basketball and I, or even college football for that matter, when you look at somebody's first year and the results that they had out of it, well, they did that with somebody else's players. So that was Andy Kennedy's <laughs> roster that he did that with. So – I'm looking more at what he's done starting really last year and this year. And it's clear that he's able to recruit when you pull in Matthew Morrell and Deshaun Ruffin, two of your best recruits in school history. But it's also yeah. becoming clear that he can't really coach at the high level that they thought he could when he was beating teams at Middle Tennessee State. I guess playing in a, at a, a Power 5 conference is really a different animal. And he has been a little slow to adjust. I, I would guess they give him one more year. But if they see somebody that maybe becomes available that they want to go after, I can see them doing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you talk about, you know, first year playing with other coaches players because that's certainly always a big point of debate with Bruce Weber. He won a Big 12 championship his first year, but, uh, you know, a lot of people like to not give him any credit for that and say that it was Frank Martin's players. And I think there's there's some merit to that, but, you know, he, he won that. And he also, you know, did come back and win a second one too. Yeah. Long time ago, so it's getting a little rough. At the same time, JT, I mean, let's say Kansas State had you know held on to that big halftime lead and beat KU by double digits. Like, would Gene Taylor have given Bruce an extension? <laughs> that that might have earned him. Seriously, it might have earned him at least a like an announcement of a you know that they were working on a contract yeah. extension so he could right. recruiting. Because right now he's got. I mean, I think this is the last year of his contract, essentially. Or, or maybe there's one year left. Either way, it's it's pretty tight right now. So, yeah, it, there would have been some sort of announcement that Bruce might be here longer than this year. But you pretty much, at this point, I think the only other game that would do that would be the win in, you know, the game at Allen Fieldhouse. Right. Maybe this the upcoming game against Baylor in Waco, if you could pull that out. But it's still not quite the same k-state fans don't care quite the same way about it as they do about that about that game against ku mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and justin you know like you said you do have some good young guys you know do you think it's possible that Dermot turns it around at least maybe not this year but coming years well the life of an old miss fan is here in about a week or so, Kermit's going to go on some run with this team to give us all hope to believe <laughs> that there's something there. I mean, he may even win a game in the SEC tournament and then do something in the NIT, and everybody's going to be like, oh, maybe he can do it. And then they'll just come back and do the same thing. I wouldn't be shocked if he rattled off a few wins because of how good their defense can be. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to be like last year where they were one of the first teams out of the tournament. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty 
firmly we're going to be in the NIT if we're lucky. I think the talent that he has with his guards, you know, they're not looking to go to the NBA next year. And in college basketball, those teams that kind of have the experience of playing together for three or four years, they tend to be the ones that are harder to beat. So I think maybe if you give him another year or two, he could make the tournament again. But I'm not right now, like, thrilled about that idea. I'd rather go make a splashy hire, which there's some people on some Ole Miss boards saying, let's just screw it and go get Patino away from Iona. So I don't know if you want to go that route, but I'd, I'd, I'd be interested. That, that name's been bandied about on some K-State boards, too, I think. <laughs> Even at 100 years That's old, it. he's probably still a hot name in a lot of circles. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, funny. Uh, yeah, and, and Old Miss, you know, you talk about rattling off games. They got a busy week ahead of them. Uh, they get Florida on Monday in what I believe is a rescheduled game. And then they get Arkansas and K-State. And all those are at home, but... You know, it kind of makes you wonder. We saw Kansas State possibly take advantage of a Texas Tech team that had, you know, was at the end of a streak of a lot of games and not too many days. You know, how's the depth of this Ole Miss team? Do you think that playing that many games will wear on them at all? Well, Kermit swears by this is the deepest team that he's ever had. So I think as far as it being three-game week, I think they will be fine. Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, you know, being at home, you're not on the road, you're not doing any travel whatsoever. I think they will be okay. Now, if we were, you know, going to Gainesville, turn around, having to fly back, and then turn around and go to Arkansas and then have one, I think that's a little bit different. Uh, but three home games, I think they will be okay. Now, they could very well go 0 3 this week, and it had nothing to do with the depth. But I think if we're looking at Saturday after playing two games, are we going to have tired legs or anything like that? I think, I think not. I think they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've got, I mean, going back, here another week and a half or so I mean you won't even have had to leave Mississippi the state of Mississippi for a game since since what going to to Texas A&M a few weeks ago here so that's yeah I mean it's really pretty favorable for for playing a whole bunch of games in a row Mm -hmm. okay well that's about all I've got for for the basketball uh Justin so this is the point though where we ask you to make a prediction what do you see happening on Saturday. <laughs> oh man, I've given up trying to figure out what's going to go <laughs> on with this team. But for the sake of you guys, I'll say it's going to be uh you know, a lower scoring game probably. I'll I'll give it 59 to 56 K-State. Okay. Yeah, that that actually fun. sounds like a reasonable score for this yeah. team. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will yeah. tell you this. Here's a secret for you guys. When Ole Miss scores, 80 in the Kermit Davis era, they almost never lose. They're like 24 and three. So if this turns <laughs> into a high scoring game, it usually goes into Ole Miss's favor. But if it's down in the mud, Ole Miss can't score, they're probably going to lose. Yeah. I don't remember what happens when Bruce teams score 80. So, yeah, it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we got an SEC guy on the podcast. So before we let you go, we got to ask you about uh, your thoughts on OU in Texas coming to the SEC. I don't care. Um, they're going to come here. They're going to come here and realize that they don't want to be here. Um, <laughs> that it's not as easy. It's not going to be easy. They're going to miss their easy 10 win seasons that they were having. It's well, Texas has not been having easy 10 win seasons. That's Let's true. Be clear on That's that. true. <laughs> it's been a while. It's just not going to be a cakewalk like it used to be. 
or what they thought it used to be. The fans are going to have to adjust to seven and eight win seasons on a regular basis, I think. And I think as far as the NIL era goes, that's it's massive because of the money that those two programs are going to bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's going to assist in making the SEC even more of a monster when it comes to that part of it. I think it's potentially going to blow up college uh, athletics as it is. They're going to have to readjust yeah. something to level the playing field. So I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of them in any sports coming over. It's more of how is this going to reshape the landscape of college athletics? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. that's fair. Yeah, I think it's going to be the biggest adjustment for Oklahoma fans because they have gotten used to a lot of conference titles, and I think they're going to have a hard time. Mm-hmm. And we, we will enjoy that over here in the Big 12. <laughs> I'm sure you <laughs> <we> will. <laughs> uh, uh, how is that going to work divisionally, do you think? Yeah, so split them up? I think at this point, you've got to readjust and go regionally because you've got Missouri in the east, which makes no yeah. sense. Um, so I think you send Auburn and, and Alabama to the East, and then you just let all the ones that came from the Big Big Twelve to be over here in the West, or you kind of just don't go division and go uh, just one big conference. And I, I saw somebody pitch the idea that you have four divisions, four teams each, mm-hmm. and do that. And I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I think you've got to you kind of have to go regionally at this point, just for the sake of your distance that you're going to be traveling now from like when Florida plays. Oklahoma, that's quite a bit for a volleyball game on a Tuesday night. I like there's mm-hmm. an NCAA rule that, like, once you break 12 teams, you have to split in divisions or something. Okay, there probably is. But uh, Yeah, you know, yeah that's why the Big 12 has to split into divisions, right? Yeah. So Of going to, you know, like, at 16 teams, you do 14 pods, which would make mm-hmm. a lot of sense. It would just be a matter of which teams are in which pod at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I've even seen some people throw out the idea of three 14 pods for the Big 12, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to be honest. But All right, so you guys are Big 12 guys, and I, I reside in the city of Memphis. I'm not a Memphis okay. Tigers fan by any means. Um, <laughs> why does the Big 12 not want Memphis? Uh, well, the Liberty Bowl is trash. It, yeah. it absolutely <laughs> is trash. I think, I think they were the fifth team. You know, if, if they were going to add any more, I think Memphis is going to be the next one called. But they don't have the, the same kind of profile mm-hmm. right now as Cincinnati, obviously, or even UCF. Obviously not BYU. I mean, it was – so you get Memphis or Houston. Houston just is a lot bigger, and, mm-hmm. and they've got better basketball right now. Football's looking a lot better. So I mean, it made a lot of sense. They picked four yeah. good teams instead of – Four markets, or four, you know, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. And here in the Big Twelve, we take a lot of pride in our basketball. I don't know if you've noticed. So. <laughs> no, Memphis fans are going to be mad about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. You know, I've always felt kind of bad for Ole Miss that they get stuck in that SEC West. I mean, it's just a brutal division. Very brutal. <laughs> but I appreciate uh, the work you guys do over on Red Cup Rebellion. Some good stuff there. So obviously people can read your stuff there. People can follow you on Twitter at j underscore timberfake underscore. I yep. appreciate that handle. It's nice. Anything else <laughs> that you want to plug here for us? 
Uh, I mean, if you're if you're big time basketball fans, I also work SB Nation Grizzly Bear Blues covering the Memphis Grizzlies, and I just got on at basketballnews.com covering the NBA as a whole. Okay. Um, so basketball junkie. I'm also a coach uh, at a high school, so there's there's that too. Cool. I, uh, I breathe, leave, live, eat. That's it's all hoops all the time <laughs> for me. So I appreciate you guys having me on and let me ramble about it. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, JT. You know, before we go, I will say yeah. I'm pretty excited to see the matchup of 5'8", Marquise Noel, and 5'9", Deshaun Ruffin. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. That'd small be fun. ball. I'm kind of excited for that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It will be fun. All right. Well, sounds good. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, JT. Yeah, appreciate it. Oh, yeah.